0: Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the river. Just been on my mind constantly, and he's just been speaking to me about uh, the representation of the hands in Scripture and and what we have in our hands as his children. And so, uh, for me, when I when I have these kinds of things happen. Um, I'm not real sure what God is trying to say to me or what God is trying to maybe even speak through me. And so I begin to do a lot of scripture research. And anywhere, uh, that's the wonderful thing about technology is you can punch in a word and it'll bring up every scripture that has that word throughout it. And so I do that and I'll do uh, research and over and over. And then God will just begin to reveal things to me as as He deals with me about a certain subject. And so the word hand has been that word for me. And I just... Uh, as you look at it throughout Scripture, what you'll find is that uh, the hand is often correlates to authority. It often correlates, and specifically, the right hand uh, speaks of authority. Uh, it talks about in, in Scripture that the blessing is transferred through what? Through the laying on of hands, healing comes through the laying on of hands. And so there's a lot of things throughout Scripture. Uh, the right hand, uh, Jesus refers to it as the, a place of power and a place of authority. And so what we, what we believe that, that God is ultimately trying to say to us is that there is authority in our hands. That you as the church have been invested with a certain portion of Jesus' authority. And that authority resides in your hands and essentially even in your feet. And as you go, you are releasing the authority and the dominion power of God in the world around you. And so today I want to talk to you on that subject and I want to preach to you uh, about that. And I just believe that, that there, is, there is authority in our hands, that there is deliverance in our hands, that there is transformation in our hands and there is healing in our hands. For me, last night, as I'm writhing, emphasis, hashtag, writhing, in pain, we're praying. I'm begging God, either kill me or heal me. Either take me to be with you or heal me. And I'm laying my hands on my side, and I'm taking authority over that. And April's laying her hands on me and taking authority over that. And you, from a distance, are praying and even though you're not physically laying hands on me you are in a sense symbolically laying hands on me and God moved and touched and healed and helped and i'm thankful for that what i'm saying to you it's in your hands even that phrase in our culture and in our in our uh, vernacular is a phrase of power and authority you've often said or have said in the past to someone hey I can't do anything about it. The power is in your hands. I can't fix the situation. It's in your hands. You've got to deal with it. And so this morning I want to preach to you along that thought line with a message entitled, It's in Your Hands. Turn to your neighbor and say, It's in my hands. It's in my hands. Father, we thank you this morning that you have placed your authority in our hands today. That God, today we are going to understand how we can receive and release your authority into the world around us, God. Give us sensitivity to your words today. Lord, I pray that you open our hearts and that good seed would be planted in good ground and produce a good harvest today. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says, Amen. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. It reads, it says, After these things the Lord appointed 70 others also. Underline 70 others also. And sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The first thing I want us to understand this morning is that the authority of Jesus has been placed in your hands. The authority of Jesus has been placed in your hands today. It says in the scripture that Jesus called 70 together and he appointed them. He appointed them. That means he invested in them a measure of authority and they were sent out as as ambassadors, if you will, uh, for him into the world around them. They were sent and commissioned and appointed by Jesus for that purpose. The word appointed there actually means to show or exhibit is a broader explanation of the word. God desires, listen to me, church, God desires to show Himself to the world through you. He desires to exhibit His power and, yes, His authority in the world through you. He has appointed you. And that term captures that whole concept in essence. And it speaks of releasing that into the world around us. You've been appointed, you've been appointed this morning. Some of you need to hear that today. You don't believe it. I'm saying to you, you've been appointed by God. You've been chosen by God. You have been pulled out of darkness into his light. And you have been called according to his purpose. You've been appointed. It says in the first part of verse 1 of chapter 10, After these things, what things? What things might Jesus be talking about there, and then Luke, as he writes this, be talking about what things. Let's go to chapter 9 now, and let's see. So let's go to Luke chapter 9, verse 1. And we're going to stay in Luke 9 here for just a few minutes. It says, Then he called his twelve disciples, underline he called his twelve disciples together, and gave them what? Power and authority over all demons to cure diseases, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now skip on down to verse 6. So they departed and they went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. What I want you to understand this morning as we look back in chapter 9 is that anytime there is an investment of authority, there is an expectation of the authority to be expressed. Anytime there is an investment of authority, when Jesus comes to us and he invests us with authority, he appoints us, he calls us, and he puts his mark upon us, there is an expectation from Jesus himself that that authority that has been placed in us is to be expressed in the world around us. In other words, he doesn't give it to you for you. He doesn't give it to you so you can live a better life just for you. That's part of it, yes, but that's not his purpose. His purpose is so that you will take what he has given you and you will express it in the world around you, that you will walk in dominion power and you will begin to claim territory for the kingdom of God. He wants you to walk and everywhere you put your foot, he promises to give it this morning. And so there is an expectation of Jesus that that authority is to be expressed. If you read in the the chapters, you'll find that when they come back, Jesus wants to hear a report. He's looking. He says, now I've given you my authority. I've sent you out. You've been gone out. Now you've come back. Now report. What did you do? How did you use what I was given, what I give you? Do we need to go back to the parable of the talents? The master gives the talents. He leaves for a season of time. When he comes back, he expects a report. He says, how'd you do with the five I gave you? And the guy says, I did good, master. I got you five more. How did you do with the two? I I did well. I got two more. How did you do with the one? Uh, I buried it. I hid that sucker. I put it deep in the ground. No, he expects... There are to be that authority expressed, and that authority expressed will result in fruit. There will be a clear, clear uh, reward that comes from our expression of authority. That expression of authority should always be accompanied by results. There should be a showing of God's working in my life, and as I am walking in Him, Working through him and him through me, there is something changing in the world around me. I can look back at my trail and I can see fruits that are being produced because of my, 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 uh, my involvement, my experience, my, my, my presence being in the midst of whatever I'm, whatever I'm doing. In verse 1, Jesus invests and places authority in his 12 disciples. And in verse 2, he expects them to go. He gives it to them and it says go. It says he sent them. And finally in verse 6, what we see here, it says they went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. There were visible fruits of their labor. Now let's go on to Luke 9, verse 10 through 17. I won't read it to you because of time. But this is the miracle of the two fish and five loaves of bread. We, we know the story. Uh, they didn't have food for 5,000 people. Jesus says, feed them. The guy said, Jesus, we couldn't possibly feed them. And he says, what do you got to work with? We got two fish. We got five loaves of bread. He says, give it to me. He blesses it, breaks it, and he begins to multiply it and feeds 5,000 people. That's the miracle that Jesus does in Luke 9, 10 through 17. Now I want you to look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, when the apostles had returned. When the apostles had returned. In verse 1, he sends what out? Disciples. But when they return, he refers to them as apostles. The word apostle carries with it the concept of multiplication. I don't have time to go into how that is, but apostles are overseers of larger things. They are, they are overseers of churches. They are overseers of ministries. They are overseers of not just one thing, but of many things. And so the concept carries with it the concept of multiplication. Initially, Luke writes in 9.1, then he called his 12 disciples. When they come back from being sent and expressing the power of God... And the authority Jesus invests in them, Luke refers to them as apostles. So there's been a switch. There's been a shift. Something has happened. Why? Because they have known the master and they can reproduce in themselves the kingdom of God. They've been hanging out with Jesus. They've been experiencing Jesus. They've been watching Jesus. And they've watched Jesus do this over and over again. Now he has invested them with power. And he says, go do what you've seen me do. If you look at John, other other places in Scripture, what you'll find is Jesus says to his disciples, I do what I see my Father do. And what he's doing there is he's modeling before them, I do what my father does, you do what I do, and watch what happens as this multiplies and increases across the face of the earth. Are you with me this morning? Because they have shown the master they can reproduce themselves. Now they've come back and they've shown that we have the power now to multiply what you have placed in us. The power of multiplication now resides in them. Our word for this year has been God wants to multiply. God wants to duplicate. God wants to pour His Spirit out in this church in a number of ways. And multiplication will be the result of that. And so what I'm teaching you this morning is how that concept can be applied in your life. So in Luke 9, 10 through 17, Jesus addresses them as apostles. He refers to them in terms of multiplication and duplication. And then demonstrates for them... A miracle of multiplication. Do you catch that this morning? He calls them what he wants them to be. You are apostles. Now this is the same 12 guys that will stumble that will fall, that will falter, that will fail. But Jesus is not looking at them in their current state only. He's looking at them at what they are and what they can be later on down the road. And so he's speaking over them, you have the power of multiplication in your hand. Yes. And so then he takes the fish and the five loaves of bread and he demonstrates the power of multiplication at work Amen. in their midst. That's good stuff, I'm telling you. He is showing them that the power of, rests in their hands, that there is power in their hands to do what he's asking them to do. And here's the second thing that I want you to understand this morning is the authority of Jesus is released through your hands. It resides in your hands, but it is also released through your hands. It is released through your hands. He says to them in Luke 9, 13, you do the miracle. He knows they don't have a clue on how to do the miracle, Jesus doesn't ask questions or give those kinds of statements because he hopes that they... No, he knows. He's creating in them an anticipation. He's creating in them a a moment of wrestling with what, how would I do this. And then he demonstrates for them exactly how to do it. He gets them receptive so that he can impart knowledge into them. Amen. So in 9.13 he says to them... You give them something to eat and they respond and they say, I can't do it. Then he, in verse 16, he shows them that they can do it. Luke 9, 16 says this, Then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the multitude. Let me just take a quick leadership concept out of what he just said right here 916 you notice that Jesus did the breaking and the multiplying but then he didn't just give it to the people he gave it to the disciples he wanted to pass through their hands before it came into the crowd now that's not in my notes that's just free and so that doesn't cost you anything today that's just something that the Lord dropped in my heart right then and I wanted to give it to you so so there you go it needs to pass through other hands is what I'm saying to you It doesn't just need to go from... If it all resides in you, it's small. Praise the Lord. Jesus understood that i got to get this through 12 other people if this is ever going to take off and be something more than what it is right now. What he's showing them, though, in verse 16, this is what I want you to hear. He shows them that that which is surrendered, two fish, five loaves of bread, that which is broken and blessed is multiplied. He's showing them... That what is surrendered, God, I'll give this to you. What is broken, oh, I'm going to go through some brokenness from time to time. But whatever I surrender to the Lord and whatever he breaks in my life, he also is going to bless that. And when he blesses it, it shall be multiplied. Amen. Now let's jump on down to Luke 9.49. We're on a journey here today. 9.49, now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone. This is after they come back after the miracle and now they're gathered up with Jesus in some private time and they said, Lord, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we told him not to do that. And Jesus said to him, do not tell them not to do that. He says, for whoever is for us is on our side. So don't be telling people not to do it. If they're on our team, then they're on our team. Praise God, we want to bless them in what they're doing. Here is the misunderstanding by the disciples. They were sent out to do what? They were sent out to express the authority that Jesus had invested in them. By doing so, what happens? Fruit comes from it, right? Fruit that we can't even begin to fathom and count comes from what we're doing. There are people in your world that you have no idea you've impacted and you will not know how you've touched their life and changed their life on this side of glory. But when we step over into heaven, we're going to understand that, man, I didn't even know I impacted that person in my office. I just prayed and read my Bible every day. I just lived a Christian life. How did I know they were watching me and being transformed in the process? We have no idea. And so this is a manifestation of that. They don't understand that. And so they're coming to Jesus and saying, what's the deal here? Jesus tells the disciples, he's saying to the disciples, you have to understand, don't don't forbid them, true multiplication, real multiplication never happens in one house. True multiplication doesn't happen in one group. True multiplication happens from house to house. I'll prove it to you. Let's go to Acts 2, 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. It's on the screen. And breaking bread from what? From house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And what happened? And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. These are all concepts of Multiplication. Jesus grew the disciples through proximity, not institutionally. Are you with me? He grew the disciples through hanging out with them, through being close with them, through pulling them away from the crowd and going off to a secluded place somewhere and saying, hey guys, just tell me, let's just have some feedback here. I just want to hear what your thoughts were about about what happened today. Well, Jesus, we don't understand. We saw this guy and he was praying for people and he was casting out devils in your name and we told him to stop and Jesus says, hold on here. That's the fruits of your multiplication at work. Don't hinder what you're doing. Just because it's not under your house doesn't mean it's not ours. Doesn't mean it's not our people. They're on our side. They're on our team. They have the same goals we do. This thing's going to get out of control. It's going to be beyond you. It's bigger than us. He transformed a few, the 12, in order to impact the many. And we find a lot of times that we try to do the opposite of that. We try to have mass services with a large group and impact, hopefully impact a few. When Jesus did just the opposite of that, he pulled small groups of people together and he spent, they spent time with each other, they grew together, they experienced life together and because of it when they come into a larger setting it exploded on the scene. Why do we do small groups at this church? That's the reason. Because Jesus did small groups. From house to house. Daily. Why aren't they all on Sunday night? Because it says in Scripture, daily. Amen. We're trying to follow the Acts model here. We're trying to do what Jesus taught his disciples to do. Now let's go back to chapter 10 and finish the initial thought. Luke 10.1 says, After these things the Lord appointed 70 others also. So we started with 12 disciples in chapter 9 who became apostles. They began to understand multiplication and now we have what? We have 70. Jesus goes out and he starts gathering this group of people that are the fruits of the labor of the initial 12 going out. And he brings them all together. And in Luke It says here that Jesus now gathers the 70 together. He repeats the process that he did with the same 12. If you look at the scriptures, look at 9 and 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together. He gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. In Luke 10 and 9, what does he do? He calls the 70 together and he tells them, heal the sick and tell people the kingdom of God is near to you. It is the same mandate. He does the same thing. Now he just does it with a larger group. He takes 12... They they make 70, he pulls 70 in, and he repeats the process. Now listen, and here's something I want you to understand. This This is necessary for us as we move forward with what God is asking us to do. Jesus does adjust the methodology a little bit. He adjusts the methodology. He adjusts the way that he does it initially. Initially he just says, hey, 12, go get it and make it happen. With the 70 he brings them in and this is what he tells them. He's more specific how he sends them out. He says in verse 1, After these things the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them out what? Two by two. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Listen, before I get ahead of myself, I want to say, listen, as we grow, methodologies have to shift. The way we do stuff has to change a little bit. We have to tweak it to accommodate a growing structure and bring people within the confines of that structure. It has to be structured the larger it gets. What you can get away with 12, you can't get away with with 70. Things have to shift. So I want you to understand that today. Why did he do what he did? Why did he send them out two by two? Because the way you deal with a small group of people is different than the way you deal with a larger group of people. For a larger group to be successful and healthy... It must be broken down into smaller units. Jesus sends them out two by two. Why? Because Jesus knows that for authority to be kept pure, it must have two components. And those components are agreement and accountability. It must have agreement and accountability. What is the minimal number required for agreement? Let's look at Matthew 18 and it'll tell us. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That speaks of authority. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Two is the minimal number for agreement, for authority to be released in it. Now you can be in agreement by yourself. But whatever authority resides in you is not powerful unless it is agreed upon by others and released. So agreement is necessary for authority to be released. The enemy keeps our authority limited if he can keep us in disunity. If he can constantly be keeping people in disagreement with one another and keep disunity in the church, he knows that that's his most effective tool for limiting the authority of God being released in his church. That's why the power of Pentecost is so so rich and powerful is because they were all in one mind and one accord. What can a people do when they're in one mind and one accord? The sky is the limit. The other component here that we see is accountability. Accountability keeps authority pure. It keeps it from becoming convoluted and contaminated. And so it's important that both of those exist. Looking. Let's finish out verse 1. And it says, He sent them two by two before His face into every city and place where He Himself was about to go. I'm closing. The third thing I want you to understand is this. The release of authority of Jesus precedes His presence. He says He sent them out two by two before what? Before His face into every city and place where He Himself was about to go. He sent them two by two. Before. This speaks of where he is looking. It speaks of where he is viewing, where he is trying to do his activity at. He is looking over and he is sending us into those places. And he's saying, you go before me. You prepare a way for me. He sent John the Baptist what? To do what? To prepare a way for the coming Savior. And he's sending you to do the very same thing. He sends you out to prepare the way for him. Prior to Jesus manifesting and moving... In manifesting His presence, He is looking for a people who will go before Him, expressing His authority and preparing for Him to walk onto the scene of their lives. And so I say to you, He will not walk on the scene of your life, of this ch- or of this church, until we receive the authority from Him and release it into our situation. He will not walk on the scene of your life until you receive from Him the authority that He has already granted you and you begin to release it into your situation. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm saying if you've got financial issues, you need to release the authority of God on those finances. Lay your hand on your checkbook and say, it is not God's will that I struggle week to week, month to month, and I've barely got enough. God said He would supply my needs according to His riches through Christ Jesus, and I will not tolerate the stealing and the robbing from my enemy. Over my finances, I take authority and I release it into my situation. I need a healing. I will not stand here, enemy, and allow the the physical attack on my body. I'm laying my hands on my head if I've got to. I'm pleading the blood of Jesus over my situation because He said, "We lay hands on the sick and they shall recover." That's releasing authority into your situation. I promise you. I promise you that you can gripe till you're blue in the face about your situation, but that doesn't release anything but depression, discouragement, and more of what you've already got. Start taking authority over your life and releasing that into your situation. When we do, I promise you Jesus will walk onto the scene and everything will change. Amber, would you come to the keyboard this morning? Luke 10, 16 says, He who hears you, this is Jesus talking to his 70, He who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The disciples believe this. They believe that they carried in themselves the very body and makeup of Jesus Christ that they carried in them in their own lives the very body and nature of Jesus Christ. They believed that when they met together, that Jesus also walked in the room with them. They believed that when they laid hands on people, that Jesus also laid his hands on those same people. They believed that where their feet went, Jesus' feet went. And they believed that where he was present, that he was always present in them as people. Listen, church we got to believe that Jesus wants to operate in us like that. Listen, I just believe this. I believe that when I walk into the room, Jesus walks in with me. That's not saying that I'm something special or anything, but I'm redeemed. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. I understand the concept of His authority being invested in my life. He says, whoever hears you, hears me. Whoever sees you, sees me. He's saying to us that when you're in the room and you're mine, I'm in the room with you. Praise God you're not without him he resides in you so i'm challenging you don't be afraid you can go ahead and play you don't have to wait on me don't be afraid to release his authority into your situation luke 9 or 10 19 says behold i give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power what power over all the power somebody say all in here okay you got to receive it if you want it for you. Uh, Over all the power of the enemy. But there's some things you just... No. Over all the power of the enemy. Don't make it complicated. It's just what it is. And nothing, nothing... Where's that scripture? And nothing shall by any means hurt you is what it says. Nothing. When we do release his authority onto the scene, he promises to show up. And when he shows up, we will see things we never dreamed of. This is his promise, and this is so good. It goes right in line with what we've been saying over the past several weeks, that he's given us eyes to see and ears to hear. Verse 23, then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it. And to hear what you hear and have not heard it. The power to change your situation, to change this community, and to change this region, it's in your hands. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We would love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 945 for Sunday school and at 1030 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the River, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkburnett, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the River. Till I found down on your Say you come to the wind.